Welcome to the New Hope Roanoke podcast that follows our live weekend teachings. We are a church bringing hope to the Roanoke Valley. So please take a moment to subscribe or follow this podcast at the end of the message. And for more information, go to newhoperoanoke.com. Welcome to New Hope Online, New Hope's online campus. We appreciate you choosing to spend your Sundays with us. And before we begin, I want to help make the online experience for you as simple as possible. So if this is your very first Sunday, welcome. If you have any prayer needs, use the Connect link. If you want to give online, use the Give link. And if you have any kids or students at home, use the Kids and Students link for resources and information. Now, all of these links are either above me or below me in the description, whether you're watching on our website, on Facebook, or on YouTube. Lastly, if there's someone you know that needs to be watching this service, we invite you to share this link with them. God is going to move in this service, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Welcome to New Hope Online.
Good morning, good morning. We welcome you to New Hope Christian Church. Welcome to you here live. We welcome you online. Whether you're here live or whether you're online live, we invite you to stand with us this morning. Stand up with us at home. Go ahead, hop off that couch. Come on now, stand up with me. So we're going to worship the name of Jesus this morning. Now this first song has a little bit of a rhythm to it, okay? Feel free to clap along or move along with us. It goes like this. May a heart sing louder than a voice says Jesus. May a heart sing louder than a voice says Jesus. For the only one worthy is the one who freed us. And the only one worthy is the one who freed us. May a heart sing louder than a voice says Amen. 
Thank you so much for praising Jesus with us. Go ahead and have a seat for a moment. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. It is so good to see some of your smiling faces for the very first time here in the room. So glad you guys are here with us this morning. And good morning and welcome to everybody who is joining us in our online campus as well. Now, we are in the end of a summer series called Down to Earth. And all summer long, we have been looking at the parables, the teachings of Jesus. And today, Seth is going to be breaking down another one as we look at a parable of the wheats and the weeds. And you guys are in sore for a treat. Seth did a fantastic job this morning, and you're going to really enjoy what he has to say as he breaks open God's word for us. Now, there's a couple important things that are happening this week, and we want to let you know so that you all can be a part of everything that's taking place. The first is this. Life groups are launching. So if you are not currently part of a life group, we would love to help you connect. And you can do it very simply this time. Simply text life groups to 31996, and we will help connect you to either an in-person group or if you feel more comfortable, to an online virtual group as well. We believe that life happens best when we're not in rows, but we're in circles, when we're doing life with one another. And so we want to help you connect to a group. The second is this. We have been partnering with local ministry partners all throughout this quarantine to make sure that we are still loving Roanoke. And we are doing it once again as we are collecting school supplies and packing backpacks for the Roanoke Rescue Mission. We have been collecting school supplies, and you guys have gotten a list of that through the email blast and through our social media. We have a bucket that is still outside of the fellowship hall, or you can drop it off the office anytime. And we are still going to be packing backpacks this upcoming Sunday on August the 9th. Our goal is to pack 60 backpacks. We would love to obviously do more, but the goal is 60. So next Sunday, after you leave service, you can meet us out on the lawn underneath some tents, and we're going to be packing backpacks full of school supplies and praying for those kids who are going to be receiving those. So we'd love to have you come be a part of that, and this week, uh, pick up an extra pack of crayons or markers and bring it with you or drop it off sometime this week. Now, all throughout this, ministry has been possible because of everyone's faithful generosity and giving. If this is your first time with us here in the room, we have an offering box located in the back because we are still touch-free in our services. And for those of you joining us online, you can still text to give, do your online account, or simply mail your gift to the church office as well. Guys, this morning we are here because of what Jesus has done for us. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what is going to take place after this or whether or not it's going to be hot or rainy. We are here today because of what Jesus Christ has done. And we have already sung praises and prayers to him through a funky bass line, but we are going to continue that this morning as we uh, lift Jesus up, if you'll pray with me real quick. God, it is for you that we are here. And just as the psalmist said, we are here to ascribe glory and to worship you in the splendor of your holiness. As we sing praises and prayers to your name, may they be lifted up to you as a fragrant offering, and they, may they meet you in a way that glorifies and brings you the glory and the name, the fame that is due only to your name. May you meet us here, inhabit our praises, so that we may be filled with your spirit and leave this place as your light for this valley. It is in the power of the name of Jesus Christ we pray this. Amen. As we prepare hearts for communion, we focus on Jesus Christ. We invite you, if you're willing, to stand with us as we sing these songs, leading us into a time of communion together.
church your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me
And I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Sing the cross before me. Just sing that straight from your hearts. Would you please be seated? So on Friday, I took uh, my boys ziplining at Treetop Quest. And me and Peyton were on the very first zipline. And he was a little nervous. And, you know, we, we got him out going. And the problem was he didn't get enough speed to make it all the way across. So he got about three quarters of the way out on the line. And he just stopped. Now, when you do that, they tell you, you know, arm over arm, pull yourself over to the other side. And so I'm yelling, Peyton, pull yourself. The problem is Peyton was reaching, but his arms couldn't get the, get the cable. And so he's hanging out there between two trees and he's yelling, Dad, help me, Dad, help me. And there's nothing I can do because they tell you one at a time, you know, do that. And I'm not always a rule follower, but I didn't want to get out there in the cable snap and then we all are laying on the ground. So finally, after like 15 minutes of him yelling and screaming, I'm like, all right, here I come, buddy. And so I went out real slow and was able to push him to the other side and get across, right as somebody was getting ready to come and help us. You know, as I, as I stopped and thought about that for a little bit later on that night, I thought, man, that's, that's the perfect metaphor for what God has done for us. You know, in our life, we are sitting out there literally dangling over life and death, and we are begging for somebody to come and help us. And God did that. What we do in these moments with these elements is we remember the fact that our God loved us so much that he saved us. 
He was willing to span, to cross that gulf, to come to us when we were lost and broken and had nowhere to go and nothing to do. And he got us to the other side safely. Now, for those of you here, there's a top foil that will give you your bread and a second that will give you fruit, your juice. At home, we want to go ahead and encourage you to go ahead and get your communion elements out. And together, collectively, what we are going to do as a body is remember the fact that our God loved us so much that he was willing to save us. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter that your arms won't reach it and be able to save yourself. He loved you. And he died for you. And that's what we celebrate. Jesus, we are thankful people because we know, we fully understand and rely on the fact that there is nothing we could do to save ourselves. We are lost without you. And in these moments, God, as we take these sacred elements, we remember the fact that our God met us in our brokenness, in our lostness, in our hurt, in our pain, and saved us. May we never forget what you have done. And out of the overflow of joy, may we share that great news with everyone we come in contact so that we can help more and more people cross safely into your arms. And it is in the power of Jesus we pray this together. Amen. Good morning. It is good to be with you in here. It is good to be with you online, and we want to say welcome. Uh, we are going to begin this morning by thinking about jury duty, all right? Uh, how many people here in the room, how many people at home, how many people have been called in on jury duty? Okay, yep, 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 yep. It's, it's our civic duty, right, to, to perform this function and this task in our society. Uh, but there are really two categories of people when it comes to jury duty. It's a love or a hate relationship, okay? You either love it or you absolutely hate it. There's no middle ground when it comes to jury duty. 
Uh, for those that love jury duty, they lean on these arguments. They're like, well, you know what? I get out of work. That's, a, that's always a good thing, right? I get to go do something else other than what I do day in and day out. Uh, for them, they, they get caught up in the drama, right, of the, of the crime and the story and the different sides, and just, it's entertaining. And uh, they also, they think, you know what, I like this control and power. <laughs> I get to lay down the verdict, and I get to decide innocent or guilty. And that's, that's the side of people that love jury duty. For, uh, for those that don't like jury duty, the opposite side, they're like, man, I'm busy, right? I got enough going on in my life. I don't need, a, ain't nobody got time for that, right? That, that's the other side of the equation, and uh, I don't know where you fall. I fall in that latter category, all right? I, I get the jury duty notice, and I'm like, oh, no, you've got to be kidding me. There couldn't be a worse time. It doesn't matter what time. This is the worst time, you know, and uh, I got too many other things that I'm, that I'm doing right now. Uh, when I was in Indianapolis, I got called in for jury duty, and I'm, I'm the guy that's trying to get out at every phase or stage of the process. Uh, the, the way they did it, we go into this big room, and, uh, you know, you're sitting there, don't use your cell phone, but you, you got these ways to hide it, you know, just <laughs> playing Tetris or what, what in the world. So I'm getting through all the stages, and I don't want to get through the stages. And I get to the semifinals, right, in any other arena of life you're like yeah I'm the champion not in this one you don't want to be the I don't want to be the champion so I'm in the semifinals, last cut and, and I'm, I'm going please don't choose me for this kickball team I don't want to be on this one but they they get to the last stage and uh, they had told us that this particular crime that this uh, this accused perpetrator it was a crime against a minor and they had said is there anything else that we need to know about any of the potential jurors. And I'm like, this is my last chance. So I raised my hand. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit intimidating. You stand up in the courtroom, you know. But um, yeah, there's something you should know about me. I'm a pastor, and I've worked with victims of human trafficking, uh, children uh, who have been involved in sexual exploitation, and uh, we work to bring justice and healing. You know, shout out to, to Rafa House, and, and there are many other great ministries that, that do this kind of work. And um, yeah, I just, I'm really passionate about this issue and thought you should know all of these things that would disqualify me for the, uh, anyway. So then I sit down, and they, you know, deliberate. They're talking to one another, and they get up and they say, the court dismisses Seth Bryant from the jury. Oh, man, I was walking out of there like a, the swagger of a man declared innocent. You know, I'm like, oh, gosh, it felt so good. Now, I know it's a good thing. I'm not a good citizen for sharing this example. It's our civic duty. But uh, there, there are two sides, love, hate, relationship with, with jury duty. Now, in American Western society, this idea is, is really pretty new, the idea that you and I, we get to be the judge. We get to be the jury, if you will. And uh, we have an opportunity to, to participate in the system. This is not the way that it always was. Usually, it lied solely within the power of the judge to examine the evidence throughout history and determine the verdict. And I can't help but wonder how this plays into our psyche and the ways that we view uh, ourselves and the wrongs that happen in the world today. In fact, this idea, this example of jury duty, it raises for us all sorts of questions. You know, we think about this one particular case. There is evil in the world. Evil exists, and we are very familiar with all of the evil things that happen today. 
whether it's mass shootings or human trafficking, whether it's abuse uh, or violence or molestation, that there are just terrible, horrific things that human beings do to one another, and we are very well aware of the evil that exists in our world. And it, it raises the existential question, why? Why is there evil? Where did all this evil come from? Who is perpetuating this evil? Will all of the evil ever end? It also raises then for us theological questions, right? Where is God in the midst of all of this? Why hasn't God taken care of all of these problems yet? I, I am ready for this to be complete, finished, justice. And then there are the, the, the practical, the personal questions that you and I ask. Why me? Why did this happen to my family? Why has this occurred within my circle of influence with the people that I love? And all of these questions come to the surface. And the parable that we're going to study today, it begins to address the questions. Now, no sermon, no parable can address all of those questions. No one sermon can walk through all comprehensively of the reasons that, that these kinds of things happen. But we begin to think about and wrestle with these questions based on the parable that we're going to study from Jesus today. Uh, in fact, I think a parable is a good way to wrestle with these questions. Write a story or a narrative because these issues are complex and stories help us to wrap our minds around things. So as we lean into the story today, uh, we get to wrestle with these difficult kinds of questions. Uh, down to Earth is the series that we've been in because Jesus came down to Earth. And what he did is he taught us in, in parables and in stories. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 13. And as you head there, uh, I want to let you know that these, these parables, they are packed with meaning. They are metaphors for our life here. They teach us about God and his kingdom. They help us to wrestle with the most important questions that we can ask in this life. And, and since we're in Matthew 13, before we get to the parable, I want to just show you two verses where the author, Matthew himself, he writes about Jesus telling these stories. It's down in verse 34. It says, Jesus spoke these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Jesus loved to tell stories. And on this particular day, to this particular crowd, first century Palestine, Jesus tells the audience this story that we're going to look at. Back in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also, uh, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. My apologies. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good, feeds, good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he said. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? Isn't that our inclination? Let's go get rid of them. No, he answered. 
Because when you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. A couple of things that we need to know right out of the gate about this parable to help us understand what Jesus is saying is this. The first thing is that this is a this is a parable about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like. Here's the story, here's the metaphor, here's the comparison. The kingdom of God is the world, the universe as God wants it to be. It's where the rule and the reign of God exist. It's where God's will is done on earth or wherever as it is in heaven. His will and his desires. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God, we have to be very clear what the parable is about because many people have taken this parable and they've interpreted it to be the church. They say the church is what Jesus is talking about. And so let's leave the weeds uh, in the church and not deal with them. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. You'll see that in just a moment. Uh, Jesus, instead, he's speaking about the kingdom of God. And it's really important that we don't mistake this. There is a place in the church for accountability. There is a place in the church for discipline. Now, the second thing is that evil comes from an enemy. The evil that exists that we've been talking about, the destructive forces, the, the, the things that are sinful and wrong that we encounter on a daily basis and in, the, in history in the world, those things come from a t- particular place. They come from an enemy. Is what, the, is what the story tells us. The last thing is that this is a story about waiting and patience. When you are a farmer, I'm not a farmer, I'm not the son of a farmer, um, but I, I feel a little bit like this commercial, you know, I'm not a pilot, but I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night or whatever. I lived in Indiana for quite a while, and, um, you know, you learn some things uh, through observation about farming. Farming is a waiting and a patience game. It's all about timing. It's about tilling the soil and prepping everything and then sowing the seed and then you sit and you trust the forces of nature and God himself and if it's knee high by the 4th of July, boom, you are good. That's, you know, corn. That's the standard. I don't know about other plants, but uh, that's corn. So the idea here of waiting is throughout the parable. The, the, the workers, they want to begin plucking the weeds, and the, the, the guy says, no, 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 wait, be patient. I'll take care of that in due time. And as we think about farming, and as we think about these issues, the, the prominence of waiting and patience is really important. And for some reason, this master, the owner, chooses to let the weeds and the wheat grow together and doesn't take care of the issue until the harvest. Now, fortunately, Jesus interprets this parable for us, right? He interprets it for us, and we still get it wrong, (laughs) which is unbelievable. But if you look down a little bit further in Matthew, Jesus is speaking to the crowds, and then his disciples come, and they say, Jesus, will you explain this to us? That There are only a handful of parables that Jesus explains, and this is one of them. And down in verse 36, here's the explanation that Jesus gives. 
He says this, Then the crowd left and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answers, The one who sowed good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people from the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of the kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Then they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, Then the righteous will shine like the sun and the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him, them, hear. So Jesus, he explains the parable for us by breaking down the characters. And we would have missed this. I would have missed this, right? You know, you think of the good seed. You think of that as the the gospel, right? The message of salvation. And and yet Jesus says, no, no, no. Here here are the characters. Let, Let me refresh our memory he says that the man who sows good seed is jesus the son of man that the field is the world and the good seed it's not the gospel in this story it's actually christians it's people who are a part of the kingdom the weeds are the people who are from the evil one the wicked people of the world if you will and the enemy is the devil and so as we as we lean into this story and understand the characters then I I think that we can begin to understand the principles that Jesus is hoping to teach the crowd and and specifically his disciples when it comes to this story. So I think it would do us well to ruminate on on the story and to lean into the implications there are for you and I still to this day. The first thing that we pull from the parable is this. It's that we have an enemy. There is an enemy that exists in the world today, and we need to correctly identify the enemy. Because we have have incorrectly identified the enemy for a long time, uh, right? Think of this year in and of itself, right? The the enemy is not a political party. The enemy is not a person uh, who disagrees with you or who has hurt you in some way. The enemy is not cancer or whatever the me- medical diagnosis is. The enemy in the story is the evil one who from the beginning has been wreaking havoc on the earth. And because of sin, because of our temptation, because of death, because of the evil one's desire to hurt God, and he can't directly hurt God, so he hurts those whom God loves. Because of all of this, we have spiraled out of control in this world, and we find ourselves in the place that exists today. There is an enemy. And the enemy's job description is this. It is to, to bring about killing, stealing, and all sorts of evil. John 10.10 10 is what said it best. The thief comes to steal. Rob, steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus said about the evil one. And his name, the the name the devil, Satan, his name means the deceiver. He takes a truth and he inserts a lie. He deceives us by telling us a half-truth. In fact, when we think about sin, all sin is in this world is it's a distortion of something very good that God has given us. 
Every sin is a perversion of something that was good that, that the enemy has deceived us with. This is the role, the job description of the devil. And so everything that we experience in this world, it points back to the enemy and the sin that we have willingly participated in that causes the destruction that we see today. And this is really the hard part for us to grasp, right? Because it's easy to blame it on Satan. It's easy to blame it on the devil. But when we are being honest, we, you and I, we have participated in the ongoing destruction of the world. We have evil in our hearts that we don't want to be transparent about. And left to ourselves, we, even us, would do some pretty wicked things. And so Jesus, when he tells this story, he says, let the wheats and the weed, weeds, wheat and weeds grow together and we'll take care of those at the harvest. And this would have spoken very clearly to the first century hearers because this weed, it wasn't a dandelion, you know, like we know. This weed was something called darnel, not your coworker. This is a toxic, poisonous plant and it's indistinguishable from wheat, from wheat. Until the harvest time. Now take a look at this picture. This is at harvest. And you can tell the wheat there. You see the wheat on the left side compared to the darnel on the right side. As they grow together, they look almost identical. You cannot tell the difference. It's not until the very end, until the harvest, that you can clearly delineate. Ah, there's the wheat. When the head sprouts when the tares show up on the weeds. Some people call this parable the wheat and the tares. It's because of the tares that show up on, on the darnel. And Jesus is making a very clear picture, an analogy for the people of that day that you have got to be patient. You have got to wait because we may actually destroy the wheat if we're not careful. So what we learn here is that there is an enemy and yet... Even in the midst of the evil of this world, the people are called to great patience and waiting. So the good news in the story is that there, because there's an enemy, there's also a judge, right? We have a judge is, is the second thing that we see. This, this isn't a title given to God in this parable, but it's a parable about judgment. And God is the judge who executes the justice there's always a fight between good and evil. And because evil exists in the world, we need a judge. We need someone who can come and bring justice to eliminate the evils that we've talked about that exist in this world. And we like the idea of a judge when it's for someone else. <laughs> well, we don't so much like God as a judge when it comes to us. And, and this is the issue of, of, of that Darnell. We, you know, if we're going to go plucking the weeds, we just might well pluck ourselves, a significant part of us. And so we have to be patient for the one who is the judge. This is not something that we think about a lot, that God is a judge. We prefer God as a father, which the parable says at the end that God is a father, and we prefer that metaphor instead of this one. But it, it, it's important that we hold both together. Because there are many things in this world that need to be taken care of. We've already said that. 
the, the trouble here, the troubling part of this passage, this point, is that if, if we have a judge, then that means that we are not the judge. And we don't like that so much. We, we put God in his place of judge, and then we realize we're not the ones who get to judge any longer. And the truth of the matter is we're really not good at judging anyway. I'll show you this in just a moment. Here are some of the ways that we judge, though. Right? We're driving down the street, and someone doesn't drive the way that we think they should drive. And, oh, man, we're, we're right on it. I'll, I'll execute this jury real quick. Send them back to the DMV. Uh, we're we're going to put them in training school. they got to go drive with the driver that's got the brake on the other side. You know, they need to relearn the whole thing, right? I'll execute judgment right away on that. Uh, we, we think about people who are in the store as parents with their kids. Oh, we can judge those parents real well, right? Oh, boy, if that were my kid, I would, you know, I... They don't raise them right these days. And, you know, we can judge other parents and their parenting ability real quick. Or even this, we see someone's social media profile and we think, hmm, mm-hmm, did you see what they posted? And they are so self-righteous. They are so opulent. They are so judgmental. I'm judging their judgmentalism. Can you believe this? And, you know, we are, we are experts, we think, at judging. But the truth of the matter is... <laughs> We're really not great judges of other people's motivations, of their heart, of their actions. Uh, to illustrate this, I, I want to I play a little game with you, all right? If this was a game show, we would call it Wheat or Weeds. And um, you would be the jury, all right? And you get to pick, is this person a wheat or is this person a weed? Do we pluck them or do we leave them? And our first contestant today, only contestant, is a teenager who he moves in with his girlfriend, and this teenager gets his girlfriend pregnant. Uh, They have a kid, and they live together for 15 years. They never get married. And then this teenager leaves first girlfriend and his kid, his his, his girlfriend and his child. He leaves them and goes to live with another woman. While he's with this woman, living with woman number two, he realizes that he needs to get engaged to her to advance his personal career. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I'll do this. So he gets engaged to her. He doesn't intend to marry her, as far as we know. We can't judge that, right? But he, he, he never does marry her. He just gets engaged to her to benefit his own career. And then while he's with this engaged girl, he goes to live with girl number three. Um, not his fiance, girl number three. He's living with a different girl. And while he's living with her, he joins a cult. And while he's in this cult, he learns all sorts of things, but he eventually gets bored, and he thinks, you know what, I'm just going to be a skeptic, right? I'm going to be an agnostic. I don't know if God exists. I'm not sure why all the evil exists. He's wrestling with these questions that we talked about, and he's like, forget the whole religion thing. I'm out. Do we pluck him, or do we leave? Weed or wheat? Well, if we were to be the judge and to pull this person, we will have just pulled St. Augustine of Hippo. Here's a picture of him. Well, a rendition, right? Not a photograph. This is old. This is about like 6th century old, okay? About 100 years after he lives, this is the earliest painting picture representation that we have of St. Augustine. Now, you may not know about a, a lot about this guy, but this man has influenced modern Christianity more than anyone 
except those in the New Testament. Uh, Next to St. Paul, this guy has influenced our theology more than anyone else. He is the top theologian in church history outside of the Bible context. And by God's grace, through the goodness and the transformation of the gospel, his life was radically altered and changed when he met Jesus Christ. And because of that, the one whom we would have said weed, he becomes part of the wheat. And he will shine at the end of time with the Father in heaven like those of us who receive the gospel and respond to it accordingly. So we are not the judge. In fact, we're pretty terrible at being the judge. So instead, we have to let God be the judge. But our temptation is to keep taking the place of God. C.S. Lewis said it like this. The moment you have a self at all, there is a possibility of putting yourself first, wanting to be the center, wanting to be God, in fact. That was the sin of Satan, and that was the sin he taught the human race. We keep trying to take the place of God. We keep making ourselves the center, the, the first. And when we take the place of God, we make mistakes. And it shows us our own evil and sinfulness. So the challenge of this story and parable is to let God be God. Let God be the judge. And we, you and I, we play the role that we're supposed to play. And what role is that? Romans chapter 12 describes it like this. The Apostle Paul, the other great theologian, the one in the New Testament, who wrote the letter to the Romans, here's how he says it. He says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We're going to have to come back to the scripture later this fall and park on it and, and, and unpack it. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. If you call yourself wheat, if you're part of the kingdom of God, if we follow Jesus, do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. God is the judge. And we must wait patiently, trusting his faithfulness, trusting his timing, trusting his judgment. God will take care of all of the things that we've experienced here and now. Which begs the question, which raises the question, why is he waiting so long? This is a question that's asked in the scriptures, in the Old Testament especially. Why, God, why so long? Well, Second Peter chapter 3 gives a short answer. In verse 8 it says, Do not forget this, dear friends. With the, day, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Since the death of Jesus on the cross, for God... Outside of time, in all of eternity, for God, it's been two days. For us, it's been 2,000 years. God, he sees time differently than we do. And the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some, some measure slowness. No, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This gets at the heart of why the weeds and the wheat are left together. God has love like a father for Every single person created in his image, all of us, everyone who's ever walked the face of the earth, our soul created in God's image, God loves them and desires for them to come back to him, to enter into a right relationship. And he was willing to die on the cross so that we could 
be made right with him again. This is the kind of judge that we want. This is the kind of judge that we need. So we all have an enemy. We're clear about that. We all have a judge. And then the last thing that I want to pull from the parable is this. We also have a responsibility. You and I, we have a responsibility today. And the responsibility, just to put it simply, is this. It's to grow and to sow. You know, what, what does wheat do? Well, wheat, it grows. <laughs> and it's not something that we can necessarily do for ourselves. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, enters into us when we surrender our lives to Christ. And the Holy Spirit renews us from the inside out. And we immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We immerse ourselves in prayer. We come together as a community of faith and we worship and we challenge one another. We, we are disciples and we go and make disciples. And so all of this is part of the growth process. And what happens is when we grow as, as wheat, we get closer to God and we look more like God. His image is, is brighter, clearer, stronger in us. And when that happens, when we are the wheat that God has called us to be, we sow, right? This is what plants do to reproduce. They spread, they release their seeds so that those can be buried and grow again. And by God's grace, if we will sow, some of the weeds can be transformed into wheat. And then we together, collectively, we will shine at the end of the age with our Father in heaven. When the judgment comes, and when those who are weeds are, are cast out, and taken care of, thrown into the fire, we who are left, who have been changed by the grace of God, we will shine with our Father in heaven. So a couple of reflection questions to close. Have you correctly, have I incorrectly identified a, 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 a wrong enemy? Ha, have we said that's the enemy and, and that's not really the enemy we have one enemy and if we've misidentified the enemy how can we get back to the truth that we have one enemy who is sowing destruction in this world or maybe for you and I it's it's this that we have taken the seat of God we've put ourselves in his place we've judged one another and we need to relinquish that role because it doesn't belong to us the last, the last one is this, of course. What is our role? Have we grown in Christ? Have we sown in Christ? What does it look like for us to reflect his image in ourselves and in the world around us? And when we do that, we're about the business that God has called us to. That, that's the point of the parable. Let me close with a word of prayer. And uh, let's ask Jesus to, to take this message, this story, and to allow it to grow us in our own walk. Father, thank you. Thank you that you came to earth and that you give us an opportunity to receive forgiveness and to be transformed, just like St. Augustine. I pray that you would do that work in us. Maybe for the first time, that you would allow us to cross the line of faith to put our trust in Jesus, take off the judge hat and let you be God. Or maybe it's those of us who have been in the faith for a long time, continue to do the work of transformation. Don't let us be stagnant or comfortable in our walk. Grow us, we pray. Help us to sow. In, in, in Jesus' name is, is, is what we pray, that you would do that good work in us. We thank you that through Jesus, we can die to ourselves 
and we can live to the kingdom of God. And we pray that you would send us now into the harvest field. Uh, the, the fields are white unto harvest. And I pray that you would make us the strong sight, salt, the bright light, that we would shine for our Father in heaven. And we pray this in Jesus' name. If you want to talk about a decision maybe that you've made, the Spirit prompting you, uh, I'll be down front after the service. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to trust in Jesus. We'd love to pray with you if there's a way that we can minister to you. Uh, We're available online as well. If there's any way we can partner with you on this faith journey, uh, we'd enjoy doing that. Uh, Thanks for being with us today. Next week we conclude Down to Earth. Uh, We hope to see you again. And in the meantime, God bless this week. Thank you for joining us today. We want to remind you, if you haven't connected with us yet or have any prayer needs at all, please use the connect link. If you need to give, use the give link. We look forward to seeing you next week at New Hope Online.